Hello and welcome back to Walk the Cinema Podcast. Today we're joined yet again by Pete from Middle Class Film Class to talk about good time. Yeah, good time. Stressful time. Yes. <laughs> very panic-inducing, very safty style in that sense. Yeah. Where the this is their trademark, I guess, which my co-host hates. Yes, I do. I, I love the movie, but it's it's one of those things that it just I have a horrible time watching any of the movies I've seen of theirs. Just too much anxiety. Yes. Yes, there's definitely plenty of that. There's no shortage of anxiety, no shortage of bad decisions being made in this or Uncut Gems. Right. Yeah. Or even their earlier works in like Evan Knows What is also very... Their films are always sad mm. in a way. They never end well. This yeah. is no different, of course. Uh, I don't know. There's Evan knows what I haven't seen, and then there's another one. Daddy Long Legs. No, not that one. It was a. Uh, it was one. It was one that. Uh, the reason why Pattinson wanted to get on board with them, I, can, mm. I don't remember the name of the actual title though. But it was like a, the cover is a, the the main actress and she's kind of, awash with pink or purple light on the cover and. The, Pattinson I think, just said. I think that's Evan Knows What. Is that what it is? I think so. Oh, he- <clears throat> oh he- yeah, Heaven Knows What. Okay, got it. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that one. That one's not as good, but it's still like you, you could tell it's theirs. Seeds. And it's, it feels more of like the scene in like New York right now or, you know, a couple years ago that we talked about on Twitter. Yeah. Where uh, Michael Belandish was also part of it. I don't know if you caught any of his movies. What is he? What is he? What has he done? He did the Job's World and Happy Life. Mm-mm. I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Hellaware. Yeah, I love him. He's. I've DM'd him on Twitter before. Cool oh, guy. Cool. Yeah, since the last time I was on the show, I did watch Man Bites Dog. Yeah. And I have to schedule myself a second watch because, um. I I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment with movie like this like Good Time is my prototype like pro- Good Time hereditary um, mm. really like just hard to watch like emotion like stressful emotional movies I really love and it's okay if the like the quote unquote antagonist is really just kind of unlikable I'm okay with that for the most part but for whatever mm. reason the guy in Man Bites Dog God just got under my skin I could I didn't want to spend I love him. <laughs> 90 minutes with them. I was like, this, who is this guy? It's you are? A Benoit Polver, yeah. which I grew up watching some of his movies in Europe because he did a lot of movies in France, a lot of franchise mm-hmm. movies too. So I was familiar with him and I always liked him. And this is like so good. And it's him and his buddies from film school. And it's oh, similar to this. Yeah. Like everyone in the movie, there's his buddies from film school mm-hmm. in Belgium. And, but this movie, Good Time, is similar to Men by Stog, where the main character is not supposed to be likable. Mm-hmm. At least, I don't know. It's not that it's not supposed to be likable. They're definitely doing things that morally we'd all agree are wrong, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I read a lot of like, kind of uh, roadmap to production for Good Time, and the Safties both will tell you that Connie, the main character played by Pattinson, is is they they tried to write him as much of as much of a hero as they could while still being a dirtbag. 
Like every motivation he has is for his brother. Motivation, everything mm-hmm. he does is basically to do to even st- robbing the money was so that they could skip town and start a life together. So as much as he is absolutely a scumbag and absolutely not somebody that you want to model yourself after, his intentions are still good. So he's like an outlier of society. And uh, I don't know, that's a really interesting character to watch. It's much better than just like a soccer dad, you know. Right. More yeah. interesting, I should say, at least. I always t- like look at Connie as like, I, I, I get that he's, he, his intentions are good, but then at the same time, it's like he doesn't think things through where he doesn't think that his brother, there's anything wrong with his, his brother when it, there, there clearly is, you know. Right. Is, I guess they never mention it, but he's clearly autistic. Yeah. And he, like severely where he needs a lot of help mm-hmm. and he has anger issues that he also needs help with that he can't control. Mm-hmm. And, but he doesn't see that in his brother. No, and so he like makes really poor decisions that kind of make it seem like he doesn't actually care about his brother, in my opinion. Like, yeah, he 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 does it under the lens of of caring for his brother, but then the outcomes always seem to I don't know, get his brother in trouble more right. than yeah. it gets him it in ma- trouble. It makes it worse rather than making it better at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, it's like you have a kid and you love your kid, you want the best for them. That's why you don't let him have three ice creams after dinner. Yeah. Because you don't want them to get diabetes. You don't want them to get obese. And that this Robert Patterson would just give him all the ice creams because he loves them. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he's, um, he definitely is not. <clears throat> I mean, there's probably five or ten <laughs> moments in the movie that you're like, "Why would you do that? Why are you doing that? just <laughs> yeah. no?" And and I I had that I was shouting at the screen the first time I saw this, um, the first one that I like immediately recalled to my head from the first time I watched it is when he kisses the young girl on the couch. Yes, yes. He sees himself flashed on the on the news as a wanted man, and he just leans over and makes out with a 16 year old. You're like, "Oh, Connie." I want to like you, but you're making it so hard. I know. That's the part that like always gets me too. like where you're kind of like, oh, he's he's trying his best, I guess. (laughs) He's just going about it all wrong. And then we had like the discussion last night or the night before, whenever we watched this for this for this episode um, about how like, oh, well, he didn't really want to kiss her. You know, he was just doing it to to distract her. But then the very next like, you know, transition is they're like making out on the bed yeah. and it's kind of like, well, at that point, like he could have stopped, you know? Right. <laughs> it, that point, there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah. It's clear that Connie has no, um, he has no grand vision, no grand design. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, I'm going to rob this bank. Shit goes South. And now we're just going to run with it and we're going to do whatever the next thing is. I'm just going to do it. You know, we killed this security guard. I assume that he's going to overdose on LSD and what do we do next? I guess we just take his car and drive to his house. What's the point? Yeah, What's that? I don't know. Something to do. We also talked about that because she's very worried about the security guard. Yeah, that's like the part that makes me the most like devastated is how yeah. badly he beats up the security guard. And then, you know, he's on L- LSD. So he's, it, it's, he beats him up. He's tripping on LSD. The police think that he's a, just a druggie that broke into this um amusement park area yeah Yeah. and you don't know if he's gonna die oh he's gonna die that's that's like my (laughs) that's like my thing and then how much LSD went into his mouth 
I know. And it just made me feel so bad because it's like, uh, you just want Connie to like realize that his actions like cause real life consequences for a ton of people throughout this Mm -hmm. movie. And that's what I, I just, dislike in the sense of how it makes me feel the girl also gets taken to the police station yeah. mm-hmm. no remorse he's just looking the, in the her girl's eyes. grandma loses her car loses yeah. her car her grandchild is like right his arrested. Uh, i forget if it's his mother or his grandma that takes care of him and grandma yeah his grandma his grandma she uh, she's devastated on tv and then we see her at the end with his brother and she's like happier mm-hmm. that he Connie's out of the picture. Connie's out. Yeah, he's got away. Yeah. Connie uses his uh, girlfriend, who I can't. I can't remember her name. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, it's <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee, but I don't remember her name in the in the <laughs> movie. But he takes advantage of her by saying, "Oh, I only need like two thousand dollars to bail my brother out of jail." But then when they get there, it turns out it's ten grand, and that's yeah. kind yeah. of a significant difference. And she was just gonna kind of go along with it and right you know really nice that's a really nice to just have that sugar mama on deck at any moment yeah 20, 25 years older than you yeah <laughs> <Whatever>. exactly <laughs> her, yeah, her, character, just... her, her character was somebody that i didn't i will really, i was kind of interested in what that story was because she's got mm-hmm. her mom she's clearly has this fractured relationship with her mom she's wearing fur coats and stuff but she's living with her mom so i don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if she's got her own money the mom's just rich or I'm not really sure. It's it was that was an interesting dichotomy. Doesn't seem to have her own money because she was going to use her mom's credit card yeah. for the bail money. So yeah. I think she is probably like a, a victim of uh, <laughs> just staying with your parents for for too long and kind of just coasting on life. So she, she feels yeah. you know justified because she's like, oh well, I'm going to use the money to to help somebody. I'm not using it for something that's yeah but she was also okay with using it to go on a vacation with him yeah and i don't think she cared much about his brother either i didn't get that feeling no so she i don't know she's as bad as him i guess morally her actions are not as bad obviously right she's not beating other people up i think she's just emotionally kind of unhinged a little bit because every little Mm -hmm. setback would shoot her into the stratosphere yeah <laughs> emotionally um did you guys um is this the first time you'd seen the movie no no i've okay. seen it three four times yeah this, oh, wow. is, this okay. is my second this is my second time yeah me too it's number two for me the first time i didn't know anything about the safties this is my first introduction mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. so i didn't know who benny was i didn't know that that was benny safty right. and <clears throat> when it came to the very end and it said who cast rolled and i'm like oh that's the guy that's the director and then I watched, <laughs> I watched interviews with them and stuff like that. I'm like, I can't believe it. I thought he was actually deaf, you know, hard of hearing. I thought he'd actually been mentally, you know, um, handicapped in some way. Mm-hmm. It was very, very, very believable to me. And I was really blown away that of the, that performance just as much as Pattinson. I mean, because he's he killed it, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. I, I feel like Benny was just as good. The emotional component was so like I was. 100% sold on the emotional component of Nick mm. at the very beginning, the introduction. I mean, just the single tear coming down his face as he's just at being asked these very right. mundane questions to the very end when he ends up in the group home is, or gets group therapy session was so sweet. So like tender, you know, 
I was on the same boat when I watched Good Time. I didn't know the Safties yet, like the first time, 2017, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people talk about Good Time and Uncut Jams. They're, they're great, and the Safties are great directors. And I never hear a lot of people talking about how good Benny is. So good. Because he, he's in his all in his own movies and other people's movies as well. And he's always very believable. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I always get excited to hear that his name is on like a, a cast list. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but... What else have you seen that's really... uh, outside of their own stuff? Because really, I've only seen him in just this. And I know he's in the new... Um... Gosh, what was it? He was in Licorice Pizza. I don't really remember his character that much, though. He was he was oh, like yeah, a lawyer was, he, or like a politician was that a was politician. kind of dating Elena for a bit. Oh, she yeah. was interested in him. Mm. Yeah, and it turned out that he had oh. a secret boyfriend that he was trying to keep under wraps. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, that character. Gotcha. Uh, I, he was he was uh, definitely a draw for me when looking at the Licorice Pizza, as if I needed more information <laughs> right. to watch yeah. a PTA movie. He was um, also in uh, Pieces of a Woman. Which is the one I, w- I was like surprised it was in, oh, which is a the is Shia like LaBeouf a, one about a it's like a miscarriage. miscarriage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I'm ever gonna get to that one. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's like a real life sad story that it's like uh, the reality <laughs> of that situation is already sad enough. I don't want to watch a movie about it. I also saw Josh Safdie in Belandish's Hellaware, which is. Again, no one sees, no one watches these movies that I do, but that was really fun for me. <laughs> seeing, <laughs> seeing a safety as like a random like background character that has two lines. That was a, that was a feature length movie, Hellaware. Yeah, it's like an hour, an hour, yeah. ten minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were uh, you and I were talking on Twitter a little bit about your impressive letterbox resume. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was. I was like, well, who should you're like, we should follow each other on letterbox. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know why we didn't do that before. We did that and I start instantly. The first thing I do when I follow somebody is I go look at their stats. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was like, nine hundred movies in yeah. twenty twenty. Well, that, that one's in tw- that was in twenty nineteen because I was like nine hundred. <laughs> I was switch but I was switching from like, you know, whatever I had to IMDB. Yeah. So some of them are from twenty eighteen, whatever, but they mm-hmm. all uploaded on the same day. So 2019 is not a good look at 2020. I don't have an excuse for. Yeah, 2020 you're still over 800. So don't He watches uh, many more than than I ever could. But I watch films very differently now than I did back then. Okay. To be fair, is I watched that... them a, a lot of the time as background. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm like, oh, I gotta clean my office. Let me put on a movie. Like. Mm-hmm some like comedy probably not not something i'm gonna remember or it's uh, super important for film history just yeah now now i don't really have background films anymore mm. i'm always sitting and watching it and it's yeah I'm, i've slowed down <laughs> <laughs> which i don't think the pace matters or the amount matters no, 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 no. when you're trying to discover things so do it on your yeah. own pace my uh my downfall for uh, movie watching numbers stats i guess is uh, I, I listen to too many podcasts, so I'll hear mm-hmm. so many recommendations like, Oh, that sounds good, top of the list, and then within a week it's buried because I have yeah. so many more going on there. Like, I put the three recommendations you guys gave me it's uh, Angst, Man Bites Dog, and a Repo Man, right? Mm-hmm. Only got to Man Bites Dog, I still haven't got to the other two. And then I, <laughs> I listened to a spotlight on Find Your Film, Eric's show, about Repo Man, and I'm like, Oh, I got really gotta watch Repo Man, 
top of the list again. And then it got buried within a week. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's really, it's really hard when you have so many things vying for your attention, but I don't think I've ever consumed as many movies as I have recently. And it's, uh, it's really fun to discover new stuff. Um, mm. There's so many good things out there right now. I mean, there is the casual viewer watching good time. They'd be like, I've never seen a movie like this before. You know? Yeah. The hashtag film Twitter is on fire for good time. But you talk to someone at your, at your work, who's supposedly likes movies and you're like, Ooh, I've never heard of that before. Who's that? Who are the Safety brothers? And nah. it's a really easy, this movie, good time, really easy gem to just throw out to somebody and, um, just blow their mind, I think. And movies, movies are just a, a wide spectrum. Where if someone comes to me, I was like, "Oh, you like movies? Like, what's your favorite Marvel universe movie?" And I'm just out here trying to collect all the Tarkovskys and boutique Blu-rays. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a different. And they're both movies. They're just separated into tastes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, it's like uh, when you ask somebody what their favorite album is, you can get a really mm. quick beat on what type of music they're into obviously if somebody's like "Ooh, top album of all time can't can't say it. i can give you my top 10 you you already know what you need to know about that person if the la- their answer is oh yeah the last Nicki minaj uh, album or oh yeah the mm-hmm. last kendrick lamar album it's like it's the last thing it's what's popular right now it's i swear i'm really into it and there's nothing wrong with that but if you're consuming the latest marvel stuff on a regular basis you're you're stepping over gold gold like <laughs> like <laughs> i freaking love this movie and it's like i was asked there's a a24's 10 year anniversary just passed yeah so, just so two the, days ago yeah, as so of the, recording mm-hmm. and uh film twitter is everyone's saying oh yeah what's your top top four you know a24 movies and good time makes my top four for sure and after watching this i'm like huh, it might be like it might be you know closer to the number one i think mm-hmm. um it's going to be really hard to unseat everything everywhere and also the lighthouse for me. Those are really, really high. Um, but gosh, this movie is so good. A24 is weird because it's, people hold it as like, this is, they're all so good. And that's not true, especially earlier on, but it's, I don't know. You have 20, A24 movies are really good, but at the same time, you wouldn't ask someone, what's your favorite Warner brothers mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just don't think it makes too much sense to ask someone what's their favorite studio. Yeah. That's the industrial side of it, but A24 does it really well right now. Yeah, they it's like there is movies that they will actually uh, produce and then there's movies they'll mm-hmm. acquire just because they're like, "Oh, that fits our vibe." And uh, I'm really I like that the idea that you can pick something with that and assume that you're going to have a good time with it or assume that you're going to have a stressful, but enjoyable artistic time or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But A24 fanboys are just as bad as Marvel fanboys. That's very true. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's two sides of the same coin. That's okay. Yeah. I agree. But when, you know, neon is also like now on the come up as yep. kind of a competitor parallel mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't have fanboys. So it, it comes off as less annoying. Like people don't fanboy neon because of parasite or climax. Mm-hmm. They just enjoy the movies as their own thing. So that's that's how I prefer to look at it. Yeah. Even though I could probably make a top 10 A24 <laughs> very well, easily. It's funny because there's a lot of things like um, Columbia TriStar or Miramax or, um, gosh, take your pick of like the late 80s to t- early 2000s movie studios, production studios, um, that you're, there are people like, um, let's see, um, 
New World Pictures, I think. There's a whole following of the now defunct studios that are not making these things or production companies that are not not producing movies anymore that people are like, there's entire podcasts dedicated to just the catalog of those, you know, Canon films. I mean, that's an easy one to pull out just because it's so bizarre. Um, But I, I think the A24 is just, it's still present. So it kind of feels weird Mm. where you're like people who are fanboying over an artist that's passed away, you know, or, or whatever, you know, people who are like freaking out over Banksy is really, you know, it can be draining because you're like, okay, well, he's, this is still a, a, a present current artist who's still producing right. things. And it's like, you're holding him in this very high regard. And there's these masters that have already came and gone and set the stage for everything else. And, you know, A24, I feel like is in that kind of category where people are like, oh, the next one is coming right around the corner. And <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I really like the enthusiasm behind it with regardless of what, if it's a director, if it's an actor, it's a production company, because um, that just means people are passionate about movies, which, means that it's going yeah. to keep perpetuating so I, I enjoy that i mean i could i could talk negatively about negatively about it but yeah when a movie's out and it has the a24 stamp in the corner i'm more likely to go to the theaters and watch it <laughs> yeah i probably wouldn't have gone and watched lamb if it wasn't an a24 movie for example um speaking of lamb movies have you seen rams no mm-hmm. i have not you're in you're in some funky foreign stuff it's an icelandic <laughs> movie i want to say from like 2015 or so it's just called rams no, I, I, yeah i know i know which okay. one it is you know i just it? haven't yeah, okay. yeah i just haven't watched it it's really really solid and it's if if for my money I should put it top of my list <laughs> top of your list it's probably i enjoyed it like two or three times more than lamb uh, lamb was pretty good it was fine but i think uh rams is a if you want a an an, an equine movie i don't know if the equine is a, <laughs> a lamb or not yeah i don't know Back to good time. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a rabbit trail. Yeah, but that's okay. It's good. I this I saw um, Uncut Gems before I saw Good Time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first ever Safty experience, and it was very overwhelming for me. Right. When mm. I watched it in the theater, I watched it by myself. I went to the movie theater by myself to watch Uncut Gems, and mm. I just sat there for. I watched Uncut Gems twice before it even came out in theaters because I had a screener. And if people don't know much about screeners, they're usually terrible quality. Uh, And so it was like less than 480p. It was not good. Oh, wow. And it it still worked really well that I watched it twice, which I never watch a screener twice. So that tells Mm -hmm. you all you need to know about me and the Safties. Yeah, but I, I watched that and I feel like after I watched Good Time, it kind of felt like I could see the progression of how they went about making these kind of um, anxiety-driven movies where Uncut Gems kind of just like from the get-go kind of makes you feel like you're having a panic attack, you know, while you're watching it. Whereas I think that Good Time kind of has that same anxiety-driven feeling, but it's very much toned down. And at least for me, having, you know, not really experienced anything like them before i think i had a much more enjoyable time watching good time even though that story made me feel worse than mm. like like uncut gems did you know what i mean uncut yeah. gems also has like the darkness to it and they, they do the, the extreme close-ups in both but they do it much more in uncut gems where you feel like you can't breathe because you're on top of their faces mm. Mm. 
and also you know the synth music doesn't help because it's very like intrusive it like ambers your brain it goes so deep in there but it sounds good at the same time and it really enhances the mood yeah yeah the the thing that really stuck out to me about uncut gems the first time i saw it was um how layered the the um like background noise is and i read up on it after the fact and they recorded actual conversations in like new york jewelry stores to get a, a realistic um like a sample of what it would actually sound like but they didn't just record the ambient which they did they would record individual conversations with clients mm. and the owners and layer them all on top of each other so when you're mm. in there you, you feel like there's people all around you yeah and that that like closeness it's almost like you could feel someone breathing on your neck when you're mm-hmm. in those really tight shots those up close shots and that doesn't sit well with me in my real life if i'm <laughs> if i if i see a, like a, a small shop and there's 10 people in there and there's room for 12 people i'll just wait outside until three or four people leave <laughs> and i'll go in I don't, I don't mind i don't like it i don't like being in that like right. thick air um but knowing that having watched this a second time after uncut gems there's a little bit of that. I watched this with headphones on this time. There's a little bit of that, but definitely, like I said, super toned down. You yeah. get a you get a break from the action a few times, even though you're still cringing at Connie's decision making. Yeah. At least it's like it's not it's not that intense. Every decision is not a life or death situation like Uncut Gems. Yeah, but with the, with the pacing, yeah, it's I guess slower or more spaced out than Uncut Gems, but they still trimmed a lot of fat where like he, he does his hair, but you don't see him like dyeing his hair, mm-hmm. it, which I'm sure they filmed, but they cut out for pacing reasons. Yeah. And they also didn't close sets. Like the, when they filmed at the hospital, the hospital was just operating. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they could redo scenes halfway through with different people in the background. they actually need to go to the ER. Mm-hmm. So, I think that helps the pacing where like you can't hesitate. You got to just go. Yeah. And that comes immediately from the shooting style of it. And then of course the editing. Yeah. Those lingering shots where you're specifically Nick, but there's a a number of characters that will have a lingering shot and it's, it's definitely either over the shoulder or just a handheld shot Mm. and it's lingering on the person's face and they're sometimes not even doing anything. Um, There's one, the shot at the very end after Connie gets arrested, he's in the back seat of the car and the camera's in the front seat looking through the uh, like the grate, the cage, I guess, into the back seat. And you see this like thousand yard stare um, on Connie's face. And it probably is 45 seconds, maybe a minute, close to a minute of just him lingering and it just slowly pushes in on his face and then lingers there for quite some time. And nothing is said. And you just kind of like see that the wheels turning in his head about, I guess, I guess this adventure is over or yeah. who knows really what he's thinking. He screwed the pooch. He's what's going to happen to his brother now, you know, not, all this stuff is potentially going through his head and he doesn't have to say a word. I guess that's a testament to Pattinson. Um, but then transitions directly to Nick in that, uh, in the hospital. And it's the same thing. It just lingers on his face and you just see the texture of his skin and the vacancy in his eyes and it's it's so good that the well, probably the biggest thing that I'd say has changed over like some of the more modern cinema, at least American cinema, is that you watch some of the old school stuff, fifties, 
and and older, maybe even the sixties, it's almost like they don't let the character a lot of times in these really emotionally um, important scenes, just be in the scene and let you as the viewer watch them in the scene. It has to like go to the next thing. It has to fit a lot into that runtime and get in and out before the two hour mark. And with this movie, you can feel just this lingering nothingness from the characters and they're just living in the decisions that they've made and before it moves on to the next step in the, in the actual plot you just sit with them and feel that dread and i really really like that yeah it definitely lets you think about you know all that's transpired in the last you know however many minutes that you've been watching this and i i take the ending scene as like hopefully he's kind of ready to take responsibility for all that he's caused i that's like the more optimistic mm-hmm. side of it the the like more pessimistic side i guess is that he's just kind of thinking like dang i can't believe i've been caught like and he's just trying to formulate how he can get out of out of this eventually sure but um i, I kind of like to think that he's taking responsibility yeah, but you're you're an optimist. You also like to think that the way they found him is because the guy came off of his LSD coma. Yeah, that's my that's my like happy <laughs> thing. Where because like I was always oh. like, well, the police show up at the at the security guard's apartment. Yeah, and I'm like, well, maybe it's because the police found out that that guy was you know the security guard, and you know they had to go check out his apartment and mm-hmm. maybe he's alive maybe they told maybe he told them I'm, stuff. I'm fairly certain the neighbors just called because they were yelling about drugs and money yeah. in the hallway there's a the yeah, door, dog so. attack in the hallway yeah yeah pretty yeah. sure that'd be it but you know, yeah i know be hopeful. But i i still like to be hopeful that the secu- I, like the I just feel so bad i just feel so bad for the security guard he did nothing wrong yeah he literally did nothing wrong i feel bad no. for no, he did he did he he hijacked that boat and with Tom Hanks as the captain. Right, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's how he got to the U.S. from Somalia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the captain now. <laughs> um, I just, I just feel so bad for everybody involved in in Connie's little shenanigans because, like, you know, people are so nice to him a lot of the times. Like, like the woman who who lets him into his home, that him was... and his his presumably presumably his brother which turns out not even to be his to brother be fair, he also thinks it's his brother well so. yeah but you know <laughs> yeah he, he burned, screwed up on that too so he burns the old lady in the apartment he burns yeah. the granddaughter um he burns jennifer jason lee's character and eh, not, mm-hmm. not so much he never ends up getting any money out of her but definitely throws him to a you know a yeah. tizzy um throws who her into a tizzy and kind of just like, even burns buddy which i don't that's not his character name that's the actor but uh the, oh, the, the guy uh, that's supposed to be the brother yeah the yeah he uh, who's an actual ex-con by the way and a lot of this uh a lot of the story was pulled directly from his like writings from when he was in prison he's mm-hmm. writing writing about his time and uh the guy the actor who played the therapist the old man mm-hmm. he was a criminal offense defense attorney and he represented him in a previous oh, case wow. he the, wow. that actor that. yeah that actor actually got out of jail i think like a, two weeks before they started shooting and <laughs> and then during the shooting uh I think it was Josh. I think it was Josh Shafty got arrested for driving on a suspended license, and that guy <laughs> represented him. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> Buddy was also in Heaven Knows What, and he also plays like a drug addict, like scumbag guy. Oh, okay. So I guess he got arrested between those two movies. I guess so. <laughs> oh. 
the the bailing out of the taxi cab scene was from his real life he said that happened to mm -hmm. him when he was on parole and he's mm -hmm. like the guy just wouldn't stop down he said or slow down he said i was going to take you right to the precinct and he's like screw this i'm bailing yeah because i'm not sure if he got a if he got a script i don't think I don't, so i think he's one of the characters that got no script right i, I know the, the main characters got a script and jennifer jason lee got a script but i don't know if many more people got the script so they were improvising it's crazy yeah, it, it's it the, really it's like it, I think it's a testament to to how the Safties kind of operate, how they're able to to pick people that are that fit so perfectly in the roles that they cast them in and uh, that can like bring they can they can like bring that out in them. Yeah, right. it's, it's kind of incredible to, to think about because, you know, they also cast people in roles that kind of mirror their real life. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying that. Julia Fox is a home wrecker, but she was a dominatrix, so it kind of fits into some of the scenes. Oh, there you go. She's like a muse or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uncut jams. Uncut jams. Um, <laughs> the uh, can I ask if you guys interpreted that ending a certain way? Because in the hallway, when the therapist, uh, the nice old man, is talking to Nick. He's walking him down the hall and he's saying, I'm really glad that Connie did what he did. He did the right thing. Do you think mm -hmm. that he, Connie said that it was all his idea and he kind of forced Nick into it? That's yeah, how that's I, what I it. that's what I always got out of it too. Okay, good. Yeah. They don't yeah. outright say it. And I'm thinking, I mean, that's gotta be it because he's not in, right. Nick's not in prison. Now he's in this group therapy session thing. So I, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right, Caitlin. I think that he's a, uh, in the back of that car realizing i gotta just take the fall let my brother yeah, i think like like you said he, he he's always trying to make decisions that would benefit his brother but they always backfire so i think that this is him trying to, to to realize that he just needs to like this is the best option for his brother you know if he if he takes all the responsibility for what happened at the bank and then all the subsequent things that came after that then his brother will be okay at least yeah. you know without him yeah I, I mean at that point it's all he has left is take the blame yeah yeah the uh the really interesting thing i think about like the production of the movie and the way that the safties conduct themselves with their cast is um that you don't see really much of the relationship between the brothers beforehand you just are thrown into uh connie pulling him out of that therapy session and mm -hmm. that's the first time you introduce to him it, they have a whole backstory uh written where connie has been in jail he got out of jail four months prior and he's on good time which is like he had he did okay in prison and was nice and he, he was kept mind his p's and q's so they let him out a little early he's on good time essentially he's on parole and uh, this is how he spends his time doing it and for i want to say for about three or four months i think Robert Pattinson and Benny Safdie would write emails back to each other as if he was in prison and they'd say <laughs> in character and they would have this relationship. And um, Josh Safdie would tell Benny, uh, don't respond for like, like three weeks. See what he does. See what, he, see what his character does. <laughs> and if Connie, the character Connie would just get angry and angry. And be like, I need to write back to me, write back to me, blah, blah, blah. And they built this relationship before they even filmed one scene together. Um, so I don't know the, the prep work leading up to it, you may not know that it's there, but you really feel the relationship is real on screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a really neat thing that I didn't know about. Yeah. 
and that's I think what pulls like big names like Robert Pattinson and Adam Sandler to work with them, even though their body of work is not big. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, they've done a lot, but people don't know about it. There's a lot sure. of shorts, a lot of no budget movies, a lot of like things that people kind of dismiss, like the Twilight yeah. movies or you know any of Adam Sandler's like comedy movies. You know, they know they yeah. exist, but they don't really <laughs> yeah. take any any you know. I think the Saft is just so magnetic, though. Mm. Like, who wouldn't want to work with them? Oh, I would love it. They're not rough on you, like, you know, when we hear about Hitchcock or, you know, whatever, where they were kind of abusive. Oh, but like... they are, uh, like, assertive. Kubrick. Yeah. Kubrick, yeah, yeah. Kubrick was known to be not great to work with An sometimes. abuser. An outright abuser. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but they are assertive in a way that they get out of you what they need to get out of you and to make a, a great movie. And they haven't failed yet, at least with their you know big bigger productions, which there have been two so far. Yeah. No, you're, but you're you right. know there's going to be so many more. Their personalities are very um, in, in, enthralling. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you seen the? There's a an awards show where they won uh, best feature, or best director, or some independent something, and they go on stage to do the acceptance speech together and they both have separate speeches and they give the speech at the same time yeah yeah oh, yes, so yes. fun it's so great played straight fantastic that was at the independent spirit awards i think oh that what it was yeah I don't quote it. me on it but i, th- I think yeah. that was it yeah. that's a great award show no one takes it like no one that's there takes themselves seriously in the moment mm-hmm. so they make jokes about themselves and about others and about hollywood in general nice <laughs> i like and it it's, it's a fun award show where do they? Where can you even see that? Uh, I don't know, but it's they like just... a week before the Oscars. Normally, oh, okay. I feel uh, like I don't know Oscars... if it streams though. Yeah, I feel like the Oscars viewing has gone down a lot. Mm-hmm. Like no one really pays attention to it, and I don't think we do. We did a gambling thing on it uh, for the show this year, and where we all we all the three of us guessed who's going to win each category, and the loser had to watch a, a terrible movie, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was Tyler. Spoiler alert! And he, the uh, I can't remember. I think I don't even remember watching the whole thing. We were betting on it. I don't even watch the thing. <laughs> you know yeah. the, the actual award show. We we covered it. Like we we just cover best pictures every year. Huh. And this year, I think I got twelve out of sixteen of the awards right. Nice, yeah, pretty so good. The, but it also <laughs> it also shows me how just predictable it is. Sure. Because it's not like I'm here like trying to guess super hard i just kind of mm-hmm. am able to predict their little minds that, that vote but i guess it's a big group of people so it ends up being more predictable that way yeah yeah and i i mean i don't know if this is true or not but i i heard that the whole academy awards were essentially just created for an advertisement it's like basically mm-hmm. a way for the hollywood system to be able to say oh we have these awards for the guys that we like and if you're not in their little club, you don't get the nomination or you don't get the vote. And it's like a lot of it is like that's not even on the quality of the movie. Yeah. It's very cynical to, you know, think that that's the case, but it probably is. <laughs> I mean, there's always a ton of movies that I'm like, this movie I genuinely like and I think it's genuinely good and it never gets anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes it's hard to. Right. to watch those types of award shows but even as much as like you know the people in general have kind of turned on it uh, even if you're like a, a 
independent filmmaker or, or like you make mm. art films you're still very happy if you win an oscar yeah. oh hell yeah that, that's never that's never gonna go away yeah so it's no. still important for the industry to mm. some extent even if the people just think it's a, well, a clown show with rich people well like that's why they included the uh the that popular vote this year mm-hmm. where it was like best, oh yeah like the oscars that went that most people got sheer to vote worthy for. moment and it was like it was all the Zack Snyder Zack Snyder's uh, <laughs> Justice cut. League yeah, and Justice Army League. of the Dead. Oh boy! Which is, <laughs> Army of the Dead is still our only our only episode that has gotten a dislikes negative, like, yeah, dislike on on YouTube because of what our, is that? <laughs> Army of Darkness. It's the the Netflix show. Uh, no, movie. Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. Yeah, Army of the Zack Snyder zombie movie, the yeah. Las Vegas one. Yeah, we did not enjoy it as much as um, Schneider you, fans you enjoyed it. You got negative uh, thumbs downs on YouTube? Yeah. We yeah. got one, oh, which cool. was more than we've gotten ever. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's to okay. We, yeah, we've, we, we uploaded probably f- maybe 15 or 16 episodes to YouTube. We don't, we don't video record. We just audio record. So it's just like mm-hmm. a, a blank slate of the logo and the name of the show, uh, title. Yeah. And uh, we are... Annihilation episode was really early in our run and we got like people coming on there saying, Oh, it's three guys talking down to, you know, the women they're doing the work on this, on, in this movie. And we're like, we're very positive about it. We told, we got a group of, you know, kick butt girls that are in going into the shimmer and all the guys are getting killed. And they're the only ones that make it. And it's like YouTube is, (laughs) you know, I'd say it's probably worse than Twitter in the sense that you get the, the toxic, traits of the entire universe amalgamated into one comment section unfortunately i work with my wife they can never call me or our review sexist in general because you're there to represent <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm representing all women <laughs> whoop, whoop. that's your job you're like one of the only female movie podcasters there you right. go <laughs> there's not a lot we've worked with a couple yeah but it's mostly men it's a men's run world it's just us with our greedy little hands and <laughs> well, I only, well, I only started a podcast because because of the uh, government mandate. So we got yeah. the, the letter in the mail saying you're over thirty, you're a white guy, you got to have a podcast. I was like, okay, I guess I'll subscribe lot. to pod- yeah to Buzzsprout, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, as far as the movie goes, I think um, I don't know. I think this is this is probably one of the I know it's not the original, like it's not their first feature, but this is the first feature that like really got them recognized. Yeah, and people are going to be referencing this as like the foundational uh, future for the future of uh, Safety Brothers Productions. Um, they're yeah, they're one of the few like pr- producers that you know. You think about the ex- people that are really excited about have Robert Eggers, have Ari Aster, uh, Denny Villeneuve, who is. I mean, that's not like an unknown person, but literally everything I watch from him, I'm blown away. It doesn't matter if it's low budget. It doesn't matter if it's fantastical. It doesn't matter if it's serious. It's every single one blows me away. Safety Brothers. Um, gosh, who else? Um, I can't remember the actor or the, the director's name, but the guy that did The Square. He had his oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Triangle of Sadness is out right now. We're about to be out. Cannot wait for that one. Um, there's so many like new up and coming you know, directors or director teams and the Safdies, I feel are positioned themselves in a very, very strong spot mm. to be right in that, you know, hierarchy. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. those are those are all great names. And uh, I mean, I think everyone's excited for the Safties in this group. Everyone that loves horror, of course, loves Eggers and Aster. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's a lot of talent. I'm edgy, so I really like Gaspar Noé from uh, oh, Climax yeah. into the Void, all that. So mm-hmm. when he puts them out, that's always exciting. Do you see uh, Dovar is exciting? Oh yeah, he's good. Have you seen the Even new Bong one? Bong Ho, I think, is going to get a lot of hype now. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. You see the new uh, Gaspar Noé one or the no the, the, the one about the, one? the old couple? Yeah, with Dario Argento in it. Vortex. Yeah, Vortex, no. Yeah, but... Vortex. There you go. No, I haven't seen it yet. Ooh, it's gonna be a t- that's gonna be a tough I, one. To watch I, too, I, I don't. Think. I don't rush to films. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of people like the, the movie comes out on streaming. They gotta watch the day of or at the weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with sitting on stuff mm-hmm. because I'm always working on mm-hmm. like my little like personal projects. Like I just watch all the Giuseppe DeSantis films, mm-hmm. which no one does they're incredibly hard to find at points <laughs> but i love them so much and and like i, I just like these little projects mm-hmm. that i i do so i rather take my time with those yeah like the hungarian shorts on movie yeah sure i watched <laughs> a lot of hungarian animated shorts from a, the company that did uh son of the white mare uh-huh. uh that company doesn't exist anymore. They were in the 70s. They're a big animation company. Highly suggest it. Don't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, yeah, you're going deep. Yes, yeah. he does. I cannot keep up. I'm, I'm. You try. You I, f- I mean, you do sometimes. Sometimes. But yeah, I will say that the Safties were kind of a hard sell for me when, before I watched anything. And, and like, I don't know. It's such a con- it feels like a contradiction because I feel like I have an awful time anytime I watch any of their movies, but they're really good. And I think that it does bring out those emotions in a way that makes you intrigued and like makes you want to watch it again to see if you can catch something that you didn't, you know, even if it makes you feel anxious True. or sad. I think there's a similar cell with uh, Alejandro Zorarovsky. Mm-hmm. Mm. from the holy mountain yeah that was hard to sell but you did sit down you're like fine and then you enjoyed it i watched all of his movies again from the first theater shorts he did to now because i go deep i guess and (laughs) it's it's just so i don't know i love i love accompanying careers in the safties i'm always gonna be there and once they have a couple more big movies out i'm just gonna watch all their shorts and Mm -hmm. follow it from the beginning do you, uh, and I'm sure Leos Carax like his stuff, the mm-hmm. Annette, Annette and Holy Motors and Lovers on uh, the Bridge. I know the first two. I haven't seen them though. But I think we've been suggested to cover Holy Motors on Letterbox. It is weird. It's a uh, there's a yeah. It's very uh, high barrier for entry. It's strange, very obscure, and um, very random. Uh, I loved Annette. Annette. He only makes. I think one every like eight years or something like that. So not a huge catalog, but Lynette came out with Adam Driver and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, who was who's I can't remember her name. Miriam something. Anyway, she's it was that's that was, on. It came out on Prime. I'm pretty sure I there. Think so. Yeah. So, really, really fantastic. Uh, but most people they'll get five minutes in and be like, "This is junk. This is garbage." Mm-hmm. 
they're singing everything. It's not even, I mean, it's a musical, but it's like literally every single line is sung. You don't speak one line, it's all sung. And oh, it's, it's like a sung through musicals, like yeah. a, like a lame is or something. Those can be fun. They can. Very occasionally. I liked it. Do it every day. Wanna, yeah, not everyone's going <laughs> to dig that. A lot of people hated it with a passion. So, yeah. Um, he's one of those. If you're, if you go deep, try some corrects. But I think we're like, deep enough that we kind of like don't relate to the regular regular quote-unquote people hmm. we're like if i'm with my mother-in-law and we watch the shining she's like what the heck is this this is so hmm. weird it's this is an old movie yeah why are you guys right. watching old so movies? old people if a movie before 2014 that's a no-no not old people, I said old people. <laughs> look i know of a lot of people like oh this is like from 2005 that's so old in 05 wow you know to, to be honest though i don't have a very big knowledge pre uh, like 1980 i'm not I, mm. I once it goes past there i'm i'm not a, a go against it but it's just it, it's not my wheelhouse yeah i have this giant book called cinema the whole story mm. that goes from the very first shorts to i think it ends with wonder woman mm. which <laughs> because it, it, it's like a they went back and re-edited some parts and they needed to talk about superhero movies, obviously. Mm. But I love the early shorts and I love observing the techniques that they had to use in the late 1800s yeah, and the early 1900s. And it's just so cool, but I could never expect someone to casually watch that. Sure. That's, that's the line that sometimes is hard to draw for me where the shining to me is not nothing like crazy, I mean, it's great, but it's not, you know, hard. Mm. to watch but yeah with certain family members that's just not happening now you got you have to know who your audience is before you do something like yeah, that yeah i have a, i work at a body shop and we have a movie recommendation board and everybody knows there that i have a movie podcast so i write it in, in, in the office and it's like this week's recommendation that's streaming for free somewhere you know is whatever and i did a couple deeper dives for a while and people watched it and were like what did you have us watch this is no this is not good right. i got the beta test on there from jim cummings recently it hit hulu and i was really excited about that and i'm like oh, i love that movie it's great go watch that and everyone's like this sucks what what is this would you just watch or i put the fly on there one time and <laughs> i got a couple angry responses David that's Cooper. like a, yeah that's a i mean if you're into movies you know about the fly that's like a, a very recognizable title yeah, yeah. People are oh, like, yeah. oh, I've heard, I've heard of that before. What is that? I was like, it is graphic. Uh, so go into <laughs> it knowing that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't suggest Cronenberg to anyone, even if they like movies. I just wouldn't risk it. It's too far. <laughs> I don't know. The, the Fly is probably the most accessible, even though it is disgusting near the end. It's it's so accessible. Scanners is accessible too. I mean, I, I think I go with Scanners personally. If I if I wanted to if I wanted like a an, an easier watch I'd probably say like um, History of Violence just because it's mm. not it doesn't have as much bizarreness in it but I feel like The Fly is the story progression and the way it's it written it feels very Hollywood with a psych psychotic ending you know mm. but but that's not good time <laughs> no, I want to come back to good time because you didn't give it a rating on Letterbox I'm assuming you're hiding it from us. Because now yeah, we follow each other. I generally won't. If I'm going to talk about um, a movie on a show, I generally won't rate it till afterwards. Um, I'd probably say, um, gosh, 
I really can't say anything bad about it. Five stars. Yeah, it's gonna go. It's nice. gonna gonna go my favorites list. My letterboxed the last. My favorites are the last thing that I ri- rated five stars. Same. So, uh, oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, looks how he does it. What's gonna get kicked out? Let's see what's getting kicked out. Because how do you pick the top four? You gotta. I just rotate them. Uh, just psycho's rotate getting, out. Yeah, psycho's getting kicked out. Sorry, psycho. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's a favorite for me too. I gave it. I'm watching uh, this week. I gave it a nine out of ten. Again, with, with like uncut gems, I watched uncut gems twice before it hit theaters, and then I watched it two more times. Mm-hmm. So I watched it like four times in the same year, wow. and I still couldn't give it a five out of five. Yeah, and I like it more. I think that's closer to a five out of five. I think Good Time might be closer to like a four out of five or an eight out mm-hmm. of ten. So I'm gonna stick to nine out of ten for Good Time. I love it. Nice. Obviously, nice. <laughs> I gave it an eight out of ten um just i have a good i do have a good time with good time but um i i sometimes just feel like i get too like stressed out by it and that makes it a little bit less enjoyable for me but that's like not a fault of the movie necessarily that's a fault with me (laughs) so eight out of ten but still really good yeah, I, th- I think that the one thing that it needs to get me to the five star point because I can I can recognize a movie is fantastic, but if I don't emotionally connect with it, it ain't yeah. it's not five stars for me. And yeah. that this like I cried the first time I watched it at the end. I cried this time when I watched it at the end. Seeing Nick in that group and just finally almost like letting go of that shell that he has and that like guard he's got up is yeah. Oh man, gets me every time, every time. And the intro too. So emotional, him. Just yeah. that little, that little basic interview he has with the guy. He tells you everything you need to know about Nick. I love him. I love Nick. I want to hug him. He has the anger issues, kind of. They're they're misguided. Yeah, he, he's not angry at the guy. He's just angry that he can't express himself. I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you get that out of like three questions, where they're cutting back and forth in close up. So, yeah, yeah, love this movie. It's great. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, listeners, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing with your life? Go, uh, go subscribe to Showtime. Watch that and a billion other A twenty four movies. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then fanboy out about it and get everybody mad. Get a hat that says A twenty four on it. They're really yeah. cool. The 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 bath towel. You get the socks. You get the you candle. Get the magazines. Yeah. Scripts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, I, yeah, their, their promotion is so weird uh, because they, you can like sign up for early releases, but I don't think you get to watch the movies early. You just get discounts on swag. They had a really cool one for Uncut Gems. They had a basketball, which I wanted, but it sold out. It was like 30 bucks, so obviously it sold out. It's like the new Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> the A24 basketball. The A24 oh, brick. Yeah. Yeah. Comes yeah. <laughs> yeah. luxury. No, they- and and thank you for uh thank you for having me back on i appreciate it yeah this was great um we actually we're gonna talk about high life but then you said this is better and i agree so i was very happy you actually yeah. mentioned this i uh in my head i was thinking i like Pattinson's performance in high life but the movie itself didn't really work for me and it was it's it, the, it was too it was too weird for its own good you know mm-hmm. there was stuff there was stuff in there that were it really kind of didn't go anywhere with that weird I don't know, phone booth with the animals in it or something like that. Like the sex I booth. I haven't seen it. Oh yeah. Oh, God. No. I, I wouldn't even recommend to go into it. Like 
if you want to see something funky, watch it, I guess. But uh, it's like it's it's skippable in my opinion. I have the DVD. I gotta put it on at some point. I you have the DVD? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now you have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually actually I don't. I just buy it and put it on the shelf. Yeah. Yep. Just to look at it. There's a lot of Blu-rays in there. Yeah. I just got a subscription to service for more Blu-rays. So. Oh Good boy. News. Oh boy. <laughs> So a new shelf thrown away. Just keeps acquiring and not <laughs> I so, watch them. I watch them. Not so much like whittling down the Our last episode was Picnic at Hanging Rock, which I bought huh. the cartoon release of six months ago. I finally opened it. All right. And we got an episode out of it. So mm-hmm. All right. Good for you. You did it. I I jest, but I'd have the same thing. I have like five Kurosawa <laughs> movies in wrapper still waiting to get watched. Right. I think the only one in rappers right now is uh, Hidden Fortress, maybe? Lady Snowbird, too. No, that's not Chris, though. No, I, but I thought I, you meant I like. I definitely wrapped. have Lady, Sn- oh. Lady Snowblood wrapped up right downstairs right yeah. now. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one's wrapped up, too. We have a few. We have a whole shelf of Criterion, so. Yeah, and you and you may not hear a lot of that on our show. <laughs> it's mainly like the last one we did was Master and Commander, The Far mm-hmm. Side of the World, and before that was Pootie Tang. So, so and master and commander same director as picnic at hanging rock it is peter Weir. yeah you're you're totally right <laughs> and uh what else did he direct that i thought was interesting uh truman show they did the yeah, truman, truman show, show and dead, dead poet society yeah american classics and australian classics that mm-hmm. he did with a young mel gibson in australia mm-hmm. great director but we're talking your ears out at this point, <laughs> to all the listeners, so we'll just keep talking after we finish recording. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>